Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the PropG Markets podcast. For nearly two years, PropG Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, PropG Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer... It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, everyone? Jose Youngster, the MMAfighting.com, here for another special Monday edition of the A-Side Live Chat. Now, I know last Wednesday we had some miscommunication. Uh, we were supposed to have Bellator champion Ali Malay McFarlane on the show. But as I said, uh, messages were crossed, wires were crossed, whatever you want to say. But she promised she would be back Monday. And here she is joining me, of course, is our Monday uh, analyst as well, Alexander Kaylee. So I'll start with Alima first. Uh, How's quarantine life been for you during this coronavirus pandemic? Honestly, not much has changed for me, which is very good. I I say that from a very privileged, you know, place that Mm -hmm. it it really hasn't changed because, you know, I wasn't, I'm not in camp. I'm, I wasn't planning on fighting for a while. And if anybody knows me, they know that I like to not go to the gym and train. So it's like our gyms have to close and I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going to stay home anyway. So (laughs) not much has changed. So do you have any teammates in camp that you know, that you know are feeling the effects of this pandemic, maybe the gym shut? Like you might, you said you weren't in camp, but I'm sure you know people that are in camp. This is affecting. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, my teammate Liz Carmouche, she's my main training partner. She's actually headlining uh, the Pachanga card for Bellator May 29th. And um, yeah, it's really difficult for her to train because she has a toddler at home and her wife is also um, part of the at-risk population. Right, so Liz right. is taking this quarantine very seriously. So um I mean, the good thing is that her wife is also um, also trained, so she has a training partner in that sense. But otherwise, like she's, yeah, not she's not going outside at all. So, Alex, how's quarantine life been with you since we last spoke to you on Monday? Jose, no one cares about me. Look, right? What's a, the champ is here? I, I think our, our our first our first reigning MMA world champion is on the show. The champ is here. I'm doing fine. I'm in Canada. You know, it's the land of wine and roses up here. We never have any problems. <laughs> Canada's a paradise. Uh, no, we're doing fine up here. Uh, staying in as always. I mean, I'm a house mouse as it is, so things are going great. But the champ is here. Who cares about me? Gotta get these questions, man. Well, I'm glad you made the distinction of MMA champ because we have had a professional wrestling champion on this show. So I'll say singles title because we had a tag team champion. Casey, yeah. what's going on yeah. with you? I know I noticed you just popped in. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, quarantining. Um we did. I did the whole social distancing on my front yard yesterday. You know, brought a couple of chairs out. Neighbors came by, walking their dogs, said hi, and everything. So, um, just this um new reality we're living in, and um, yeah, just it's um it's the world we live in right now, and you just kind of have to have to accept it. <laughs> 
Yeah, we were saying before the show even started that last week feels like a month ago. It feels like we just talked to Michael Chiesa like a long time ago, but that was only three days ago. That's how that's how slow time is moving right now. But of course, this is not our show. This is the viewers' show. They can leave a comment on our site. They can have a question for the champ or us for whatever reason. But we have a reigning champion on the show, so of course you're gonna have questions for her. Or you can go on Twitter, use hashtag the A side, or just respond on Twitter. None of you guys use the hashtag anymore these days anyway. But Casey, our um, mustachio director everyone's what do we call what do we call you now everyone's favorite cutie boy soy yeah, boy wimpy hips, wimpy hips, man, wimpy, guy. wimpy wimpy wimper son of wimpleton wimpsylvania yeah that's sure me. well our mustachio director do we have any questions for the champ from our loyal listeners do, 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 do. let me take a look what we got here all right first question first question from lfmwa on the site omg alima alima bay big fan <laughs> I remember, back, <laughs> I remember back when you first won the belt, you said you didn't feel like the best in the world. Has that changed at all throughout the year? So excellent question uh, from LFMWA, loyal commenter. So to answer uh, this individual's question, has that changed since you first won the belt? No, <laughs> it hasn't. And I think it's, it's a lot due to that. So I, I have a wrestling background and my coach – would always tell us, he's like, you're never number one. Like he never wanted us to fall into that mentality of like thinking that you're number one. And that was his way of motivating us to keep pushing, keep working harder. So, um, yeah. And I just, I also feel too, that my career as a fighter has been so short compared to all these other fighters who have been doing it literally their entire lives. Um, that I, I just, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not the best in the world. You know, this isn't, this isn't, I, I kind of joke around and say that I'm a part-time professional fighter because, <laughs> you know, I'm only training, I'm really only training what half of the year, which, um, um, you know, some people kind of frown upon, but I'm like, that's just how I've done it this whole time. You know, I've never trained year round. I've never, you know, I have my, I, I do a lot of stuff outside of the cage that takes up a lot of time. Um, that I can't dedicate to training. And so, uh, no, I don't think I'm the best. It still hasn't changed. That's still my mindset. So Alima, what, uh, in your, for yourself, what kind of goals do you set for yourself so that someday you can kind of feel like you are either the best or among the very best and kind of say that with confidence? Is it a certain amount of title defenses? Is there a certain opponent that you feel like I have to beat this person or this caliber of person? Um, how do you get to that point where you can say, yeah, I'm the best. So I think it it's more so um, what you've done for the sport uh, mm. and more so like your legacy kind of as opposed to, um, you know, your record uh, or amount of fights you've won. So I consider I consider myself among the best in the world, just not the best, but I consider myself among the best because, you know, in the short five years that I've been fighting professionally, I was the inaugural, um, you know, flyweight women's world champion for Bellator. I was able to bring Bellator, a, a big MMA promotion back to Hawaii. There's my roommate. <laughs> um, I was able to bring Bellator back to Hawaii, uh, which hadn't had, it, even though, you know, Hawaii has a huge MMA um, late, uh, le legacy, you know, history in the sport. This, this was the first time that a large promotion had gone back for over a decade. And I was able to do that. You know, I was able to headline both cards that, that were in Hawaii. Um, I, I think I am like, I have a few records with um, among Bellator. Um, 
even beating out some of the guys, you know? So I just think that what I was able to accomplish in five years has definitely solidified me as among the best in the world. Um, and so I think it, yeah. And it's more so about your legacy. And what I mean by that is just like, what have you done for the sport? What have you done for, um, you know, your, how have you used your platform for good? And I think if anybody like has followed my career, they've seen that I am very active again, outside of the cage and, and I'm not fucking up and getting DUIs and like, you know, popping for steroids and tarnishing, uh, the sport. Uh, I've always been very like straightforward and I consider, uh, I consider that as like a solidifying myself again as, as among the best in the world. Who would, who would do that? No MMA champions would exhibit <laughs> that kind of behavior. Right. <laughs> well, we had, uh, speaking of your, your, what's what you've done inside the cage. We had Anthony Smith, UFC light heavyweight champion on, and he said every time he will watch his highlights or his fight, he criticizes everything and thinks he does everything wrong. Uh, even if he wins, like he just he he'll he could watch him knocking out Shogun in the first round and he'll know what was going through his head in that. And he'll be like, well, these are the 40 things I did wrong. I did nothing right, even though I got the win. Are you in that same vein where you watch your highlights and you only notice what you did wrong? I, I fought back and forth, but um, it's more so when I watch past fights then that's when I cringe. I can't even watch those fights because I think I did so terribly, even though I won. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I was so terrible just, you know, two fights ago. Uh, but I think that that's really important because it's showing my progress that, you know, the bar is always being raised every single fight and then meeting those expectations. So, um, yeah, I think it would be dangerous to watch your fight and be like, oh, I did everything I, I did everything perfect, sure. you know. Well, have you ever impressed yourself after watching one of your highlights? Um, I, I don't know. You know, it's interesting because I see a lot of fighters, they get highlight reels made for them, and I don't have any highlight reels. Wow. Well, I, I mean, there's a few that just have my finishes and everything, but I'm like, I want to see the times that I actually punch somebody or, like, hit a combo um, but I don't, nobody's done it for me. So I don't know. So if anyone well, wants to, then there's that. They, well, yeah, whoever's listening or will listen to this in the future, someone make the champ a highlight video of more than just her finishers, <laughs> uh, finishes. Uh, but Casey, do you have any other questions for, uh, Alima? Well, I, I got a question for Alima. Go ahead. Alima, what is the one fight that fans should never watch of yours? Like, that's just an embarrassing <laughs> fight. I can't like, because clearly, you, but you won the fight. But just go, no, do not watch that fight. Um, I would say my first fight against Emily Ducote, because so that's the fight that I refer to when I like I rewatch it and I I can't do it. I just it's Mikella, <laughs> you're in the video shot. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. More guests. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, I just can't watch that one because. It's so sloppy, and it went all three rounds, and it was just like sloppy. I so that's the the one fight I would say don't watch. And what's the fight that they have to watch? Like it's just like that's the that's the limele I want I want people to see. Soccer mom fight. <laughs> yeah, still it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's just funny, and people are like, "That's you." So yeah, I would say soccer mom. I fight. see that video pop up every few months, uh, and people are shocked that it's you she's fighting. People go, oh, that's the Bellator champ right there. And they go, are you serious? And then they go, and then they find you based off of that. Yeah. 
yeah, so I would say that that was definitely the fight that kind of catapulted me into, um, you know, virtual stardom, online online stardom. So yeah, I, I I always that that fight has a special place in my heart. But if you're talking in terms of like technicality or like you know being a technical well fought match, then um, I actually think all my fights are really boring. But I would say I would say uh, Valerie Letourneau, um, the first Hawaii Hawaii fight was um, it was that was like a really powerful fight. That was probably my most one of my most emotional moments of my life. So I would say that fight. Well, I got emotional watching Casey Nestor's uh, video they did on you that like that 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 mo- that documentary style video. I was in Milwaukee in the bitter cult because it's the same week as the UFC on Fox in Milwaukee. So I was sitting there in the snow watching everything happening in Hawaii and be like, I could be like that seems like yeah. the most emotional thing I've seen <laughs> since all those videos of like Connor fighting in Ireland. And Casey yeah. met like messing me on Slack. He's like, why it's like I am on the verge of tears right now watching this finish right now. <laughs> yeah. When everybody asks me um for videos to, you know, like if I'm doing a presentation or something, they just need any video of me, I always send them Esther and Casey's one because I'm just like, this is gonna blow your guys' mind. Like this explains everything perfectly beautifully makes me cry to this day it's actually the video that i sent my fiance when we first started talking i was like hey watch this wow (laughs) well done casey nice (laughs) move alima nice move that's a that's a good move we don't a lot of us don't have that option that's a good move (laughs) casey you're muted casey you're muted people people think i'm into mma because of the violence but really it's it's about love and i'm just trying to bring beautiful people together you know that's 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 what i'm really about yeah. You make one for me, man. Can you? I need. I'm having a lot of trouble <laughs> on the online dating. <laughs> Next question. Next question before <laughs> that, that we fall into that hole. Wait, no, but you know, we sorry, we, we we didn't get any questions on it because I'm really I'm kind of surprised you brought up the uh, soccer mom thing because I feels like mm. that feels like another lifetime ago, doesn't it? It feels a long. Like, that doesn't time even ago. feel like you anymore. I don't, like when you look at that video, does that do you see? I don't know. Is that the same woman or is that just like someone else? At this point, Alima, um, it's the same. It's the same me. Like I've always remained the same throughout. It didn't matter if I was fighting on the reservation or if I'm fighting in front of a sold out arena. You know, it's like I was always the same. And in fact, just a couple days ago, I posted a video on my Instagram um, of one of my fights on the res. I think it was it was one of my amateur fights, but it was for the same promotion that the soccer mom fight happened um, at. And this fight was actually, I, I feel like this fight would have gone viral, uh, this footage because, um, but the promoters at the time had asked us to take it down because it was kind of crazy. But what had happened was I'm in full mount on my opponent and Cecil Peoples is refing, right? So I'm in full mount on my opponent. Yeah. You guys already know where this is going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She full on grabs, so I'm like ground and pounding her and she grabs my hair. My hair was on a ponytail. She grabs my hair and just pulls my head down to the, like, I want to say for a good 10 seconds, she had my hair and it was so obvious that she's pulling my hair, like my head's on the mat and I'm still trying to wail on her. And in the process of me hitting her, her weave actually came off. (laughs) And it came off and it just was laying on the ground and Cecil just casually bends over and picks it up and is just holding it in his hand. 
but he's not like stopping her from pulling my hair. He does. It's like, he's not even watching that. Um, and, and then, you know, everybody's screaming like, see, saw her hair. So finally he stopped the fight. But, uh, so he stops the fight and then restarts it in that same position. And I, and then, you know, TKO ground con, but back then that was before Instagram allowed you to have, you know, longer than 15, 10, 15 seconds. So the video is only 15 seconds and I don't know who has the full length video, but anyway, so I posted the 15 second clip and, um, it was just hilarious when it, when it, when we had first posted it years ago, I think this is like 2014. That was when I had my amateur fights. And yeah, again, the promoters asked us to take it down. Cause you know, it's kind of an embarrassing thing for them that a girl's weave came off, but the jokes were freaking hilarious. People were like, unbelievable. Or like she had, Hey, it was so funny. So um, where was I going? What was the question? Oh, was I the same? Am I the same person back then? that I am now like, yeah. And, and I also said on that video that even though I fought in the, you know, again, sold out beautiful arenas, um, my favorite place to fight was on the res because it was just so gnarly. Like, so the reservation, you know, we, mm-hmm. it, we called it the chicken coop because they would, they would have shows out there cause you didn't have to follow the rules. You know, there was no commission needed. And our team rule was that you could not go to the bathroom without a buddy or a teammate. Cause like, People would fucking try to shank you. And it would, like there were brawls in the audience. Um, just everything that could go wrong basically did every fight. But it was so much fun. It was it was my favorite place to fight at. Res- so Indian like, Reservations where Dana wanted to put UFC 249 <laughs> last, I heard. Oh. I'm surprised. Is he? I, I haven't been following that whole thing. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, man. It is a... Well, you might be the only one in MMA, and I some I should envy you because it is keeping us up at night, wondering what's happening. What what are we gonna wake up to next? Uh, but Casey, any other any questions we got? Oh yeah, let's go to the next. We've question. only asked one question yeah. from the fans, and it kind of spiraled. All right, uh, here we go. Here it's oh, here is a good one from longtime commenter Trumbo. Bellator versus UFC response to the coronavirus. Spelled coronavirus wrong, by the way. Resubmitting from last time as a Bellator oh, champion. My, oh, oh, right. my, my dog's going crazy right now. Well, we love dogs on this Bad chat, so. Casey, you took the question away. There it is. As a Bellator champion, what do you think of the UFC's response to the coronavirus as, a, as opposed to the Bellator response? Is Bellator doing anything behind the scenes to help take care of fighters financially or health-wise during this time? Thanks. So I'm sure you've heard the news. Uh, Dana White, when he when he postpones the few the fights, we had Ashley Evan Smith on earlier. Uh, she said that she wasn't paid. Uh, she And anything she called for all of that, Scott Coker did the opposite and when he postponed, I believe it was Bellator 241 was the number. Uh, he he covered some of their expenses, uh, gave them their fight purses. I don't know the exact monetary details of it, but, but two completely different ways uh, these promoters handle it. I know our own Mike Heck spoke with Chris Cyborg, and she said something similar to that. Like when she saw that news, she knew she made the right decision to sign with Bellator after seeing how Dana White responded to this pandemic so uh, what is your response to how the two sides have handled it and has bellator done anything behind the scenes that you're that you can share uh, to take care of these fighters uh, health and financially wise yeah so i feel like i haven't i i haven't really um publicly 
talked about uh, the difference between the promotions um, and how they treat their fighters. But I think that this is a pretty clear, I mean, if not for all the other thousands of examples of them screwing over their fighters, I think that you can, you can see why I'm very happy with Bellator, why more fighters are moving over to Bellator, you know, why just overall, I think Bellator is a better promotion. They, they really do put fighters first. And that's always been uncle Scott's, you know, motto is, is fighters first. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just know it was the card at Mohegan sun, mm-hmm. uh, that they, yeah, they paid not only the fighters, but they paid the staff too. Like mm-hmm. everyone that was involved in that, in that fight week got paid, uh, and didn't want to put everybody's health at risk. And so did it make them fight, you know, and some people would make the argument that like, Oh, well, like people, they want to fight. Like, so Dana did the right thing in allowing them to fight. And it's like, well, yeah, well I want to go outside, but I can't because that's morally <laughs> irresponsible, you know, like sure. I want to can live a normal life, but I can't. So, um, yeah, it's definitely health. The health of everyone is, is, um, first and foremost. And then, uh, and the fact that uncle Scott recognized that and still, uh, you know, was able to, um, to pay everybody, I think just speaks volumes again of what kind of promotion he runs. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the other cards. I believe there's one in Chicago. I think so. I think that I don't know who's there's, in the car, but they usually up in San Jose in a month. This will be uh, the uh, yeah. Bader, Bader and the the amazing Musasi versus Lima fight. <sighs> yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. And then the next one after that would have been Pechanga. Right. Oh, no, it would have been Chicago and then Pechanga. I think. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. I'm really not sure what is going on um, with that. But um, yeah, Bellator takes care of the fighters. That's all I can say. Yeah, I believe Ashley said, Ashley Ann Smith said she flew to London and then she had, she found out everything. Like her and her opponent were finding out through social media and then had to fly back uh, to the, and then so she had to deal with all of that and she didn't even get tested. Uh, they said she was calling uh, um, for the UFC to even pay for their testing, but we have, we don't know what's going on with that. I mean, supposedly they're still going to have this April card in like 19 or 14 days or whatever it is. So, uh, it's uh, it's a whole story that Casey, uh, I'm sure, has a lot of thoughts on. And Alex, Alima, Alima, how regularly like have Bellator officials been updating you? I assume that there's people in the office you can kind of ring up whenever you want to, if you if you wanted to. Um, but how how much are they kind of um, volunteering information, kind of letting you know, and also uh, do you know if this kind of interfered with like any kind of fight they were trying to set up for you? Given that they have all this other stuff to deal with, they can't, I don't know if they're worrying about matchmaking right now. No, I actually, I mean, I talked to yeah, I I just haven't reached out to anybody because again, I, this really didn't affect me, uh, professionally. You know, I wasn't, we actually weren't planning on fighting until the fall time. Okay. Um, and so, cause we have to, you know, we have to wait for all these other women to fight and, and see what happens. So we were not planning on fighting until around the fall. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think, um, I just haven't reached out to them. I'm sure if I did, then they would tell me what's going on. But also this whole pandemic issue is like, a day by day case, you know, mm-hmm. like shit changes so drastically in a day's time that I think even Bellator doesn't really know what's going on. I'm sure they have like contingency plans in place, but, um, yeah, again, I think it's just, we just have to wait and see. We just have to wait it out. Yeah. I think you, you know, 
this is like you said, it's changing day by day. And some people think that we're still going to be fighting. I mean, I know our own Guillermo Cruz did like interviewed a bunch of fighters from UFC 250, and a lot of them are like, if I had the option not to fight, I would probably take it. But I need to fight to get paid. Uh, I think it was Callan Vieta was like, if I get sick and die, another fighter just steps up and takes my place right away. Like that's how this works. So uh, that quote kind of stuck out with me because that is an alarming uh thing to hear from a uh potential ufc top five fighter in yeah. in in your in 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 one thirty at 135 uh yeah it's yeah. For, for all we know in one week it's going to be a completely different scenario yeah casey any other questions we got from our loyal listeners one moment <clears throat> thank you trumbo by the way i know you always leave your wonderful comments Okay, let's go to some 249 fun. Great. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Two questions. Who could fight Ferguson if not Habib? And that's from the seaside. And then Amy Wee, if we don't get Habib nor For- Ferguson, what other fight could main event UFC 249? So as of today, I know you hadn't been following him much, you said, Alima, but Habib Nurmagomedov supposedly t- spoke to the UFC and said that they were almost positive. I think it was like 99%. That was going to take place in Abu Dhabi or Dubai. I can't quite remember. So he flew to Ru- – he tried to fly there. They wouldn't let him land. So he flew to Dagestan, uh, where he's from, and now he can't leave Dagestan. So now he's stranded in Russia. The fight with Tony Ferguson's already been canceled, what, five times? This would be the fifth time, I believe, or four times. This would be the fifth time. And now supposedly Justin Gaethje might fight Habib uh, – uh, Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier's throwing his names with the hat. Jorge Masvidal offered to fight Colby, uh, Kamar Usman on the card. And now Tyron Woodley and Colby Covington are trying to fight on the card. So whoever wants to answer this question first, <laughs> who should fight Ferguson? And if not, who should headline the card? Alima, go ahead. My answer is going to be flippant and rude. So uh, good. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't, don't even know if they're like the same weight class, this is what a terrible MMA fan I am. <laughs> I would say Masvidal. Sure. Oh, I mean, Masvidal he Ferguson said- would be an amazing fight. Tony Ferguson mm-hmm. fights a lightweight, but he did win the ultimate fighter as a welterweight. Uh, and he always said he was a natural 170 pounder. Uh, <laughs> I would like that fight so very much, but it wouldn't be for a title. I still like that fight. Uh, that would be crazy. That would be a bananas fight. But AK, what do you have to say to our listeners who are asking questions surrounding UFC 249? Where's Conor McGregor? Look, we all <laughs> look. Let's be honest here. Conor McGregor's the fight we all wanted anyway. I know. Oh, we're all real fans. We all want to see Tony Ferguson Habib. What a sure ride! Come on, we all want to see Conor versus uh, uh, Tony Ferguson. We all just want to see Conor main event everything. So, uh, you know, let's let's get let's get the man on the line. I'm sure he's paying attention to all the social media. I'm sure he's watching the show right now. And uh, uh-huh. Conor, if you're out there. <laughs> Tell the UFC to send you the contract. You know, you you you, you tell them to send you a blank check, send you the contract. Well, obviously that's the fight that everyone wants. So yeah, just call up Connor. Let's fix this. It'll be like we won't even remember that that Khabib and Ferguson was even scheduled again. Mm-hmm. Wait, is is Tony Ferguson? What weight is he? One fifty five. Max. Max. <laughs> I think they're they're friends. Are they? I I believe they're friends. Uh, or some sort of friendly relationship. I know Max Holloway was going to step in to fight Habib at UFC 223 before the New York State Athletic Commission vetoed that like mere days before the event was going to happen. But the listeners all blame me because I've been saying for months that this fight is never going to happen. So as soon as this fight, as soon as I see my Twitter notifications blow up, I go, oh, great, the fight got canceled. And sure enough, Habib gets stranded. Casey, what do you say? 
I see you're back on screen. What do you say about this event? I know Ma- uh, I posted a poll, so I Max, won't tell, tell you what our answers yeah. say. Oh, I need a screen. Um, Max is a good option, but I actually, I feel like Max is one of the few fighters who are 100% taking this um, pandemic seriously. very seriously. And I don't think that Max would put his his own health, his family's health um, at risk without because there's just not proper testing right now. It's just not there. So without proper testing, everyone fighting right now is taking a serious risk to themselves yeah. and to everyone they come in contact with, which is actually much, much more important because. Right. It, yeah, I get it. You want you want to fight in a volcano? Cool. Fight in a volcano. That's on you. Well, unfortunately, when you find that volcano, if you cough on me, then I have that volcano on me. You know, that's how it works. You know, this is it's, this isn't just about you anymore. This is so much bigger. And Max is what was one of the first um, definitely um, prominent fighters to really talk about this, take this, this, take this very seriously. But if we are going to throw health out the window and not care about anyone else, the only fight that makes sense, Elimo is correct. Tony Ferguson, Masvidal, bad motherfucker belt, open weight. Because yeah, no, bad no motherfuckers one's don't having, have to you can't bring Connor, this is true. You, you can't bring Connor because no one is nobody's gonna have a proper fight camp right now. Absolutely zero. So you might as well have an open weight, whatever they want to come in, fight for a fake belt, and then cool, we waste our 65, 70 bucks, and then we move <laughs> on, and then we just shut off MMA for the next three months. Well, there you have it, folks. Casey solved the dilemma surrounding UFC 249. Thanks, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Why is, is this um thumbs up thumbs down you like this alima yes yeah this sounds good yeah because right no there's not gonna be proper camps for this no one you know no one there's not gonna be there's not gonna be healthy weight cuts especially do you think whatever happened though that there would be an open weight fight or anything i think a catch weight i think they could do a catch weight right yeah yeah Whatever, yeah, just they would have to agree to like one sixty five or one seventy five or whatever. So I would, think- uh, I'm saying like just in general, like would uh, the commission ever allow that, like an open weight? Well, there's not one know. commission in the, in the United States oh, sure. outside of sure. Florida, maybe that would mm-hmm. even allow an actual sanctioned fight right now. So the fight mm-hmm. would have to be overseas or in a barge or something. So and then all bets are off. Idea. Yeah. So or um uh reser- uh reservation reservation yeah where you fought yeah. So listen, I, I liked I liked Alima's Max Holloway suggestion. You know, Alima, if we could get you to say something like, "Oh, Max Holloway's not a real Hawaiian if he doesn't take this fight," <laughs> we need a good we need a good clickbait title. If you could just kind of throw that, is that something we could clip out there? You know, out of context, that would be great. I would love if you could just <laughs> throw that out there. We'll say I'll say I don't think Max writes his own captions. Oh, <laughs> oh blooded. Max, no, I think his captions are are really good, and I'm like. Wow, that's very, very insightful. Like, is he having help with this? I don't know. He just—it's it, just—it sounds like, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's definitely sounds like Max. Like he has a little Max flavor in it. But like sometimes he just blows my mind with his captions. I'm like, this is really you. This is this your PR guy? It's mini black. Is that clickbaity enough? Well, I feel like I just totally like. That was that was too. That was too people are going to be paying more attention. People are going to be perusing his comments more and more now. Yeah, yeah. This doesn't sound like it. Oh, she's right. Is this? ah, That's not a phrasing he would use. Yeah. No, but it's real. It's. I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about that. um, You know that Max is is one of the fighters taking this really seriously, and and this kind of went back to 
how the pandemic affected me as well, because, you know, we're from Hawaii, we're on an island, we have finite resources. And I actually am really thankful that I, I got stuck up here in San Diego at my San Diego home. We literally, so my fiance and I, we had left Hawaii. We were in Hawaii for like two months and we left Hawaii to come to San Diego. And then we were going to fly out to Jamaica for, our, um, to get married. Wow. And in the process, like, you know, just our layover in San Diego, that's when we got stuck and we're like, holy crap. You know, I'm, I'm really thankful that we got stuck up here because I think shit can get real crazy on islands. And that's also part of the reason why we canceled our wedding to Jamaica. Cause I'm like, you know, we're, we would be total hypocrites telling people don't go to Hawaii, better stay us at home, you know, stop bringing the virus to Hawaii. Um, stop using the island's resources when we were going to do the exact same thing in Jamaica. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's a really good point that Max is taking this seriously. Um, the, the Hawaii community is taking this very seriously and rightly so, you know, they're, again, they're on an Island, they have finite resources. Um, so yeah, shout out to the 808 state for, you know, fighting through this and Max, you too. So you were on your way to get married when the pandemic kind of hit a, hit a high point and that's why you got stuck in San Diego. Yeah. So we we were like in San Diego for a week before flying out to Jamaica. And it was during that week time that we were back um, in SD that everything just shut down. Um, So we had to make a decision because technically we could have flown out to Jamaica. You know, the airports weren't shut down yet. We could have flown out, but I was just like, shit's going to get real crazy. And yeah, like I was advocating for people to stay home, to not go to Hawaii. So I was like, I can't be advocating for that and then be doing the same exact thing, you know, on the other side of the world. So that, yeah, we canceled. So even though the pandemic didn't affect um, me professionally, it affected me personally. (laughs) Well, I would say getting married is a little more important than having a fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting married anymore, so I had to cancel. I had to cancel the wedding. We canceled. Oh, I'm also turning 30 on Thursday, and so we canceled. My, I was doing a dirty 30 rager, and I was like, "You can still do it. It'll just be a sterile 30." Um, so yeah, we had to we had to cancel that. And there's another thing that we canceled. Oh, my bachelorette party, which I was really looking forward to. Uh-huh. We had a drag show. My favorite. Oh, that would be fun. Um, have, have you, are you waiting to find out more information or have you kind of like set another date down the road that like you're hoping to get married or you're just like waiting to see, well, like, like we said, like in a week, the world could be completely different. Yeah. Well, so like the whole point of getting married soon, well, we had, I wanted to get married on April fool's day so that people didn't know if it was serious or not. (laughs) Such a troll. That was the whole point of it. But now that that's not happening, we're like, all right, maybe we have to wait till next year. Yeah. Just for for the joke, Alima, you're going to wait a whole other year just so you you can land this gag? Yes. You don't understand. So my birthday is April 2nd. So I've always been like April 1st. April Fool's Day was my thing growing up. I would play pranks on everybody. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, this is going to be the ultimate prank. We can pull it off, but yeah, it's fine. We'll probably just like do a secret wedding. Our families are so big that it's just, it's, it would be almost impossible to do a wedding with both of our families. So and who what knows? is the best, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go. What is the best prank that you've, you've ever done? 
Um, so I got my my family. So my family actually played a prank on me. They were all in it together. This is when I was in high school. Um, they said that one of my that my letter to the newspaper they printed it in the newspaper. Blah blah blah. It was a letter when Aloha Airlines closed down, and it was a very emotional letter and pictures of us picking up my mom. She was a flight attendant. And, you know, Aloha Airlines had shut down. So I wrote the newspaper. And so everybody in the family the next day on April Fool's Day was like, oh, my gosh, Ilyamo, your story is beautiful. It made it on the front page of the newspaper. <laughs> so the whole day I'm like running around school, asking my teachers for the newspaper. I'm like, you guys, said I can't find it. And like everyone was in on it. Even my parents were. And then at the end of the day, I find out that they were all joking. <laughs> So I was like freaking pissed and I'm like crying. I'm freaking pissed at everybody. So then in my car, I find a pair of crutches and I find my old, uh, ACL surgery knee brace. Cause I, I had got to, you know, I tore my ACL meniscus and had surgery the year before, but I was fully recovered. So I, but I still had everything in my trunk of my car. So I put it all on and I like went home and everybody's like, what happened? I'm like, I retore it while I was playing basketball and like everybody was so upset for me because sports was life, you know, and, and they just felt terrible for playing that joke on me. And then I got them back. Damn. It's cold blooded. (laughs) Wow. Instant retribution, instant retribution. And then everybody just feels bad. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. I got them back. So that was probably my best prank. (laughs) <laughs> that people actually fell for i've tried pranking people and they don't fall for that shit they know how i work already um but yeah this this wedding was definitely gonna be my masterpiece <laughs> damn cold-blooded that's a veteran prank <laughs> prankster right there turn the prank around think they got you and then make everyone feel terrible that's with me i'm very vindictive <laughs> <laughs> that's why we like you that's that's why we that's why we're happy to have you on the show. Any other questions from our listeners, Casey? Uh, one moment. Now we know if you ever return, we should get more prank questions from our listeners. Oh yeah, like yeah. What's everybody else's best prank? <laughs> All right, we have a lot of a lot of two forty nine interests. So I'm bringing one more two forty, a couple more two forty nine questions. Ooh, which location should be the next place for the next UFC event? Hashtag the A side from Fan and Mister Stationary. Uh, sorry, PT's not on the show, but. Yes, there's supposed it was supposed to be in Brooklyn. Habib Tony was supposed to be in Brooklyn, and now uh, Dana Weiss was trying to narrow everything down. Supposedly, it was going to be on like an Indian reservation in Oklahoma. That might not that went out the door. Supposedly, it was going to take place in Dubai or Abu Dhabi. Uh, I know a lot of fighters are joking about having the fight on like a barge or like a warship or somewhere out in like in international waters. So, if this event does happen, where should it happen? Alima? I mean, I would say the reservation. So don't they not? Yeah. The, so if they can find one, yeah, like what are the. They're supposedly, Habib said that when he was told it was going to take place overseas, he immediately flew there. But now he's hearing it might take place in the United States. So the story changed. Like, like we're finding out more and more information every single day. So in two hours, this story could take another turn. Like we, I wake up and I'm expecting new news. So our answers are going to be outdated in like 60 minutes. So it's, it's all up in the air. Anything's possible. I think no matter what happened, Habib had to go back to Russia, Dagestan, 
last week. Because if he didn't go back right now, say they have, say they do do the fight in whatever uh, Florida, he's not going to be allowed to go back to Russia to to see his family for yeah. who knows how long. Like, cause all the borders, they're, they're not allowing people in or out, especially they're especially especially not allowing people who are in the states living in this pandemic, Russian citizen or not, to go back there. So, I mean, this, this is a worldwide pandemic. This is it's just this is just so much bigger than any one uh, pay per view. So, um, it's kind of it's it's kind of funny where it's kind of ridiculous we're even giving this serious thought, but here we are. But um, I mean, he he had to go back; otherwise, he just wouldn't be allowed back in the country for months, and that would be a much bigger situation, but much bigger problem for Habib. Mm-hmm. I believe the president of Belarus is the only one I, I, is saying everything is going on as planned. He's he's the one saying. I think he said like vodka and like ice hockey or exercising will help you like get over the coronavirus. So if it's going to happen in the UK or in Europe, it would have to happen in Belarus because I think that's the only country that's not taking this overly seriously. Yeah. Well, you know, what's, you know, what's crazy is, uh, K one just had that show in Saitama, Japan. They had a, the K Festa event and, uh, they took all kinds of precautions. I mean, they said they gave masks to everyone. They were kind of testing, you know, testing what they could testing people's tempers, things like that. The, uh, I think the local officials told them not to do the event, but they went through it anyway. And apparently it had a pretty good attendance. Now I'm not saying it was a good idea. Um, as far as we know that we don't know the fallout yet of hopefully there is none, but what could have happened from there? But I, I don't know if, if Dana White can look at Japan. Um, my brother's there and he says the government is telling people, kind of to get back to normal life. They feel like they have it under control. Um, though he's also told me he doesn't believe that. So um, I don't know. I don't know if Dana Weiss looks at Japan, but uh, maybe that's where a UFC event comes up soon. I have no clue. And Japan just suffered a big, um, I don't know if you kept up news, uh, outside MMA news, but uh, a very big celebrity just died in Japan from the coronavirus. Essentially, Jeez. they're equivalent to Tom Hanks. That's what, from what I read. Like, imagine wow. Tom Hanks actually died of coronavirus. Their kind of actor equivalent just died in Japan over there, so it was like a, a big deal going over right there, over there, right? Big deal right now in Japan. A lot of people think Japan's take because Japan's had kind of restrictions and they're kind of letting back, but now now that the Olympics are definitely postponed, um, I think they're going. I think they're going to start going much much more hard line about it to just get it out. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I maybe yeah. Japan's a possibility, but I really doubt it too. And this is awesome. April 18th is so far. Like we said, one week feels like a month right now. April 18th is still three weeks away, almost three weeks away. That's, that feels so far away considering in about a week and a half, what's going to, what the U S is going to be like, it's going to be a completely different place. So, I mean, yay. Pandemic. And then we still have <laughs> what a, uh, yeah. That's a downer. Didn't submit what submission underground just went down yesterday, right? They did. Yeah. Continued on? Correct. So they I think they did what did they do? Elbow touch at the beginning of each 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 uh match and then yeah, so they and, elbow and, touch and then grappled uh-huh. each other. Yeah, it was and it was and it was held it was yeah. held in an empty silo where actually uh Chell doing the commentary did it from like across the street because like the just the spacing of everyone, like it was it was interesting, but um, it did feel underground in that sense. Sure. <laughs> so did you think it was successful? I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I watched how they did. I wonder if their yeah viewings went up. 
Oh, that's an intricate yeah, because nothing was nothing was going on, so it might be the mm-hmm. only thing to watch. I mean, I did get a notification from UFC Fight Pass so that it was happening. So if everyone is like fiending for combat sports and they see that notification, that's an interesting question. I'd be curious how many people tuned in. You know, mm-hmm. but watching it versus paying seventy dollars to watch something is a big difference. You know, most yeah. people already had that Fight Pass um, subscription. Uh, I don't think people you know paid you no know, signed up for you no know, yearly deal with them right then i think they already had it but um but people forget you still gotta pay 70 dollars to watch whatever fight they're gonna throw on so sure that's a big difference too yeah but i just hope they do not if they do have the fight please do not have it anywhere in the united states do not have it in the united states because it's a fight it's dangerous and if someone gets injured that means they're gonna have to go to the er and at that point in three weeks, every medical facility in this nation will be just a war zone. It's just, that's just going to be a reality in three weeks. And we know this. And to have a fight that could potentially take away um, mm-hmm. medical personnel, medical resources, medical energy for a freaking prize fight that we're doing by choice seems just very reckless. So unless they have to fight in some country where they just don't have an issue right now. The country of Antarctica, maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that last continent. Yeah, I gotta, gotta get, that gotta get the last Check one. Check it off. Check it off. Um, so, can you can you tell me, in your opinion, like why? What would the UFC's argument be for continuing to put these fights on? Is it Dana, to like boost the morale of yes. viewers? Dana says that. Uh, well, Dana's been very like. I don't what's what's the word like I think one of the quotes was it goes in a call in like a couple months we're going to look back at this and be shocked that we stopped everything because of this and then he compared it to like it's like cancer you're gonna get it like regardless so like might as well be happy or something like that and we're like that you can't get cancer by like shaking hands with someone like that's not how it works uh, but he's basically saying like we have to we want to bring events to people because they're stuck inside and depressed and we want to bring some sort of entertainment correct me if i'm wrong uh casey and alex that that's that's the i mean that's the mindset i've seen from him yeah that's something to that effect as well as of course saying like look i want to pay my fighters and i want to pay my staff but these people can't get paid unless uh unless we run these events which of course again we know is probably not true Uh, (laughs) i imagine they have enough money that they could afford to take care of these people at least for one event or at least a few events but i don't know the ufc's exact finances so I, i shouldn't say that's that's speculation but based on kind of what we know and common sense, it does feel like they could kind of quote unquote, do the right thing here uh, and look after the fighters and staff. But uh, as for, again, yeah, I think it's really the entertainment factor. And also uh, Dana White, look, he's a, he's a prideful man. He's, he, this, he, he sees this as a battle that he wants to win. So if you're yes. saying, how's this a positive for everyone? Uh, I'm not sure. How's this positive for Dana White? I mean, it's another, it'll be another notch in his belt to be against the event going. Yeah. I mean, he's already canceled three events. I mean, he, he's canceled events already. I don't know what the difference is right now for some reason 249 just has us i get it we want to see it but sorry alima people to live no like so and the whole entertainment factor like bellator um i believe it was this past weekend they had had showed for free one of their um and i forget what card it is mitrion was on it um he was the headliner but they had showed I don't know if it's this weekend or next weekend, but anyway, they're showing one of their best cards for free to viewers. Um, 
you know, and they asked me like, oh, would you be able to, um, you know, just get the word out that we're, we're showing this. Uh, so I mean, like, yeah, they're trying, you know, they're still trying to like entertain people who are at home, but they're doing it responsibly. Um, so I don't know if, if, if Dana was really, I guess, honest or like true, if what he said was really true that like, oh, we're doing it to, you know, entertain audiences, we're stuck at home, then he would definitely find other ways to do that that were responsible and safe. Yeah, I know they've been putting a lot of their fights for free on on YouTube, like a lot of their big fights, and they've been trying to make it some sort of interactive, like vote for the greatest knockout, and then they'll show like knockouts and stuff like that. But I, I think Alex kind of hit it on the head where he's like, when someone tells Dana to cancel a big event, it's going to make him just want to put it on even more. Yeah. Uh, we've seen this a thousand times where some people will be like, Dana, you can't do that. And then he goes, watch me. And then he just tries to do it. So I think that Dana's ego plays a big factor into this, because if this wasn't Habib Tony, we might be talking about a different story. This, If this was the UFC Oklahoma card or the UFC Lincoln Nebraska card coming up, it might be a, we might not be having this argument. Yeah. Another question from uh, Trombo. One more, one more uh, weight cuts. If two forty nine and two fifty go forward, UFC two forty nine, UFC two fifty go forward. What do you think the odds are the fighters who have tough weight cuts, Habib Aldo, for and Aldo, for example, are unable to make weight due to lack of resources and structure? I'd say pretty high. Or are they diminished versions of themselves? So I'll ask the person on this chat with professional fighting experience. Uh, if you're in camp and all of a sudden you can't go to your gym, you're, you've ha- now had your resources, like uh, the commenter Trumbo said, like taken away. Are you a diminished version of yourself? Considering you don't have your training partners around you, you probably don't have the environment of a gym. You're not cutting weight as usual. You're left to your own devices in your own home or your own garage, as we saw Jessica Andrade uh, training. Uh, so, yes, if you're in camp right now, how diminished are you going into a fight? So I actually think it's not going to affect them because at that level of fighters, they we tend to keep our training circles small anyway. You know, we're not training. I mean, it, it could it could it varies case by case, but I would think that um, those guys keep their training circles small. And the fact that they're still going through with the fight, I would think that their training partners and whoever they're working with, their coaches probably have that same mentality as they do. That like, yeah, whatever, we're going to do it. We're going to go through with it. So I actually don't think that it is that it's affected them. And, you know, we were actually, um, like they still, trust me, they still have access to their gyms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not, gyms are just not like they legally have access to their gyms. You know, gyms are just not supposed to be open for business as, uh, to my understanding, you know, um, not open to the public, but, uh, they're still going to be able to go inside their gyms and, and train just as long as it's, you know, under 10 people. And it's not like things are being regulated at this point, at least, at least in my experience in San Diego, it's not being, you know, strictly regulated. So I, I don't know where these other fighters are training at, but um, I actually don't think that it's going to affect them. Uh, Alima, what's kind of the worst or like most unorthodox uh, training camp, like preparation you've ever had? And do you recall it affecting your performance when you, when you had to go out there? Uh, the most unorthodox, you know, I... I, all my training camps have been the same because I have been with the same gym and the same team from my res fights all the way up to, you know, my championship title fights. I've had the same, I've had the same coach. 
Um, I would say possibly I fought with an injury. So that was probably in my, my most unorthodox camp. Like we stopped sparring six weeks out from my fight just because of my injury. And I was just freaking on the treadmill, you know, just focusing on the weight cut. So, um, it's still doable, you know, and, and I would say, um, you know, like in, in Liz's case, hers is a very special case, Liz Carmouche, uh, because, you know, her family is considered as part of the highest risk, uh, demographic of contracting the, the virus. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so she's actually, this, this has definitely affected her training, but Liz is also a machine. She's a freaking beastly Marine who also won't take no for an answer. So she's, trust me, she's finding a way to still get in her training. Uh, I've been watching her stories and like, she's literally training in their little living room that, and, but she's getting it in, you know, she's, uh, the coronavirus isn't going to stop her. So I'm not worried. I'm not too worried about her because again, at this point, you know, they know how to fight. They know what they're doing. And I think that their, their small circle, their team is is still going to be there for them. And they still have access to their training facilities. Uh, now, Lemmy, we got a, a, a more specific Bellator question here. This is from the YouTube comments. Always exciting. Uh, this is from random combat fan. Would Bellator benefit more uh, if they had a ranking system, and this probably pertains to you specifically, because I mean, you would know, have a better idea of who you might face next. So, what do you think about a ranking system, um, and what kind of info do you guys have now uh, when it comes to that sort of thing? Um, my ego would love a ranking system because I know I would be at the top. But do they really count? Like, does the UFC follow the ranking system in terms of matchups? That is an excellent question that yeah. we ask every single week. <laughs> does it even matter? I really feel like ranking systems don't do shit. So. Um, but I would love to see my name at the top, but again, that's just my ego. So you don't think it would serve any practical use as far as like you'd see like, oh, to you know the top three, at least I know it's going to be from that top three because you're not, I mean, you just don't know if circumstances would dictate who you're actually fighting next. Yeah, I don't think it would serve practical use. Um, I mean, it, it, unless you consider like me being able to use that status or, you know, to better promote myself or like, you know, accolades, sponsorships, whatever. But um yeah, again, I don't think, and it's like, I think ranking systems are flawed anyway, so... Well, I actually like how Bellator does the Grand Prix, and that, like, you, yes. can't argue with it. you can't argue with the tournament. Like, I just asked Steven Thompson this one, like, the top five at Welterweight were all had an argument to fight for the title next. I'm like, well, if you guys had a tournament right now, you can't argue with, I win, I fight for the title. Yeah. And how did you like the way that they did the selection? Oh, my God. oh I loved it. Casey yeah. was like, Casey was there and he was like slacking me. He's like, this is the best thing right now. He's like, I'm like, I can't wait for this video. And he's like, they, the UFC has to do this, but they never will. Yeah. 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 I was actually doing um, flight analysis for that card. And so I was able to like run off stage and be able to sit in the audience and watch it. And I was just like, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. So I know that Uncle Scott wants to do do a tournament for my division yes um, hopefully they follow that format should we go through with it because i thought that was just freaking awesome i, I, would, I would also get the wild card i would get like the last you know so <laughs> hopefully yeah, like I, that. people or people we had a question like weeks ago like how could you like if the ultimate fighter ever came back how would you fix it i was like use bellator's like that style to pick the matchups because that was so 
just fun to watch because like we didn't know like and then the like you said the wild card and everything it just it created more storylines for the fighters before their fights yeah yeah so I, those were i i know that they also moved so the mohegan sun card that they had to cancel what had two of the um tournament yeah and so and so they were that was the last round of the quarterfinals there was mm-hmm. there were two fights on there so i know that they moved those fights I think they moved it to the Chicago card or something like that. But, um, yeah, those are, so yeah, the, those are the only fights that were like, crap. Cause like, how, how are they going to move forward in the tournament, you know, without those ones? Um, so though, but I, again, I'm not, I haven't really been following everything, uh, very closely. So I'm not, you guys probably know more about that than I do. Well, I like the rankings, but I like Grand Prix better. Uh, if I had a choice. All right. Oh, more questions. Do we have any we more got a, We got a special one. We got, we got a special, got a special question, up. and this will be read by um, Mr. Alex <clears throat> Habig. <clears throat> oh, boy. A dramatic reading. Dramatic reading. Here we go. A dramatic reading. This is specifically for Alima. They don't really need our answer. Uh, this is from Takeru Ducks Buru Buru 2020 from Twitter. Uh, is Alima aware she would probably lose to Jessica I when she pretends to call out Valentina Shevchenko? So, Alima, what's your response to that and really kind of trolls in general? What does that even mean? <laughs> I, when I pretend to – wait, is she saying that I'm pretending to call Valentina or Jessica I is? Like the ground is throwing me off. That's okay, I will – this I will question tra- is baffling <laughs> to me too. I will, I will translate. I will translate. I do speak troll. Um, <laughs> Do you like when you when you I guess you've mentioned Valentina in interviews before, probably you've been asked about her Uh, when you mention her. I mean, do you even think why do you it's kind of why do you even mention her when you would probably lose to like Jessica I or one of the other contenders? So like why? why? Really, there should be a why. Okay, okay. okay. so why would I mention Valentina? Well, you're right. People ask me about her all the time. She is the UFC flyweight champion. Uh, And I think that every time that people have asked me about her, I've answered very honestly um, my answer is always like, well, first of all, cross promotion would never happen. That's just, it's just won't happen. That's not the UFC's business model. It's just not going to happen. So whatever. But, um, when they ask me like, well, how do you think you would do against her? My answer is always the same. It's always nine out of 10 times Valentina would beat me, but all I need is that one chance, <laughs> like, that one out of 10 shot that, you know, anything can happen in a fight. But, and I say that with like the utmost respect for Valentina, like she's a freaking monster. She's been doing this her whole life. Um, and she's what I would consider a lifelong year round mixed martial artist. Um, but we're just two different people. Like I haven't been, I've been doing it for a fraction of the amount of time I've been fighting for the fraction of the time that she has. Um, I don't really feel like I need to prove myself against like, again, I'm like, I don't give a shit about my, I mean, I give a shit about my legacy, but not in in the sport. I feel like I've already done a lot for the sport and I've done a lot for the causes that I care about. And I think Valentina is an amazing fighter. I think she's one of the best in the world, but I also think that if it weren't for me, she wouldn't be the flyweight champion. And I'm going to explain why. Because Bellator called us in 2015 when I went pro and they said, hey, we want to start up a new flyweight division. Great. At the time, the UFC didn't have the flyweight division at all. But we started a division. 
And I started climbing the ranks. I started winning every fight. I was like putting myself out there. Every, I was on everybody's radar. All of a sudden, uh, well, Coke, Uncle Scott said, okay, by the end of 2017, we're going to crown a flyweight champion for the women. All of a sudden, the UFC cancels the original tough, which was supposed to be what, like 145 girls or something like that, or mm -hmm. like some shit. It was like half girls, half boys. They cancel that, even though fighters had already bought their tickets out, you know, for the tryouts and already made accommodations. They canceled that like a few weeks before it was supposed to happen and said, okay, scratch that. We're doing a flyweight women's, the ultimate fighter, and we're going to crown a champion. Uh, by December, whatever, you know, that was when the finale was going to be. So, and again, I say this with the utmost respect, if it weren't for me and if it weren't for our uncle Scott, like saying like, fuck, we need a, we need a crown champion because these girls are freaking, you know, this division is ready for it. Elima's climbing the ranks. Like she could be the next champion. If it weren't for me, the UFC wouldn't have tried to, you know, again, uncle Dana's ego is like, well, no, we want to crown it first, you know? So I think it's pretty obvious that that was what happened. And that's why uh, the UFC started a flyweight division for the women, even though for freaking years they have been crying for a flyweight division. But he's like, no, no, it's not going to happen. Oh, but then all of a sudden Bellator is doing it. Okay, we're going to do it. So I say, yeah, you're welcome, Valentina. <laughs> wow. So we've well, got, so we got, got it, we have Alima on record. Uh, Max Holloway is a fake Hawaiian who doesn't write his own caption. <laughs> I uh, say put that, that out there. The fake Hawaiian was our, our wording, but I'm just saying something <laughs> there. And uh, Valentina Shevchenko would be nothing without me. I think something to that effect. So, yeah. man, our, our first troll. You're very, oh, yeah. very trolly. Yeah, I translate into troll. Yes, I translate backwards into troll. Our first champion and our and clearly our most inflammatory guest yet. Wow. <laughs> Max, I'm so I would swear I feel like that came out totally wrong. It was a it was more of a backhanded compliment that like your captions are very are very uh, well written. Did you call her inflammatory, Alex? I don't think anyone has ever used that to describe Alima in her life. So controversial. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was it for questions, right, Casey? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're up on the hour. Yeah, we're up on the hour. So uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in to watching this special Monday edition. Thanks to Alima for joining us. I know last week there were some miscommunications. But as always, the guest of the hour gets to plug promo say whatever she, whatever he or she wants before signing off so lima the floor is yours to say whatever you want um again max i'm really sorry if you <laughs> valentina uh i love you um uh but in all seriousness um you know i just i want to offer words of support and aloha to everybody during this crazy ass time you know i to be totally honest, I didn't think it was going to, it was going to get this gnarly. Um, but I want to also tell everyone to, um, you know, just try to look at this as, as a time to, for self-improvement and healing and spending time with loved ones. And we're all going to get through this if we just remain calm and help each other and stick together. We'll, we'll all get through this. And Shout out to Bellator. I love you guys. I'm your girl. Thank you for taking care of us. Gosh.
That, that's it. Well said. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, well said. Well, we'll be back for another special, uh, no, the ordinary regular time on Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Alim, I hope you can join us down the road when the future is hopefully a little brighter and we're not going through a pandemic. Uh, but thanks so much for joining us. That's Alex. That's Casey, everyone's favorite soy boy, hipster, cutie boy, whatever you want to call him. And I'm Jose. We'll see you on Wednesday. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.